Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. This is episode 54 with Coach Eric Flannery interview. In this episode of our Championship Vision Podcast, Coach Furtado talks with Coach Eric Flannery, who has been the St. Edward Eagles head basketball coach since 1996, where he has won over 400 games in his career. Coach Flannery earned a bachelor's degree from Cleveland State University while simultaneously beginning his coaching career at St. Ed's. His basketball teams at St. Ed's have won two state championships in 1998 and 2014. Flannery was named the 2007 Associated Press Ohio Coach of the Year. Along with his basketball success at St. Ed's, Coach Flannery has been involved with USA Basketball since the early 2000s. He helped coach the USA U16 team to a gold medal in the FIBA Americas Tournament during the summer of 2013 in Uruguay and the U17 team to the gold medal in the World Championships in 2014 in Dubai. Coach Flannery has helped more than 15 former players reach the NCAA Division I basketball ranks and has coached three NBA draft picks. Coach Flannery was an assistant coach in the 2008 Jordan Brand Classic and was also the head coach of the victorious West team in the 2010 McDonald's All-American game. Coach Eric Flannery has reached the highest levels of success in the high school game. He has a wealth of knowledge to dish out to coaches, parents, and players. You'll want to make sure you have a notebook handy so you can jot down some of his wisdom as you listen to this episode with St. Edward's high school basketball coach, Eric Flannery. Coach Flannery, welcome. Hello. Flannery, Good, how, Kevin, are, how you? are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining us, man. I really appreciate you no taking problem. the time out. No problem. Appreciate you asking me. That, that's great. Of course, I just finished with my uh, my first grade uh, class, so <laughs> I'm a little riled up right now. That's funny. <laughs> God bless you for doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> now, you, you're a PE teacher as well, aren't uh, you? In theory, yes. Uh, <laughs> high school, <laughs> uh, but now um, just being here so long, they – we hired another to my classes. So right now I'm doing some counseling work and things like that. So it's been good. Great. Great. Yeah. I, I haven't quite moved up to that <laughs> level yet. I'm still working with the little ones, man. I got to do a better job, I guess, man. I, they still have me working all the K five classes. Listen, that's, that's probably a good <laughs> thing that keeps your sanity. When you go home, you uh, probably relax a little bit. So that's good. No doubt. Matter of fact, I mean, I love working with those kids and, and, I know we're going to talk about this later. Of course, I deal with – I'm at a school where it's it's K-12, so all those kids I grow up – pretty much I grow that's up cool. with them. That's cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They grow up with that's me That's something too. that's really special, obviously. And just to see those kids grow up from Absolutely. that age. I mean, I only get them from basically, you know, ninth grade, and, and uh, there's a, a huge improvement and a huge growth that time, obviously. But to see them all the way from K or first grade, that's pretty special. It is. It is. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Um, Coach, again, thank you so much. I've been really kind of, you know, studying your career and everything, and you've done so much. Can you kind of help us out with your steps to success? I mean, you have – tell us about your journey on how you got to the point now where you are. Um, Was there any mentors, people like that along the way that had a big impact on you? Yeah, I mean, as I'm sure you know, it's kind of a loaded question, and I think it's one of those where – 
if other coaches are listening, I think they understand that, that everybody's path is different and you have to realize that. And I think that's something that I understood at a, a young age, at least at coaching that, that I'm not trying to be somebody else. And that's, you know, we can get into that later, but my, my coaching career um, and philosophies and, and all of that stuff kind of changed when, when I realized that, when I realized like, Hey, you know, just be you and, and coach the way you want to coach. And that's really where I think I started to become at least a better coach in my eyes and at least more um, able to, to do a lot of things that I wanted to do and had more fun with it. But kind of leading up to that, I, I never really envisioned myself being a coach. I think it was uh, I loved basketball ever since a little kid um, played, you know, growing up, played in high school, uh, had a pretty you know decent career in high school, but nothing special. Uh, went away to a small Division three school to play. Uh, I did not like it, so I came home. Uh, was going to transfer to a local Division three school and play. And my high school coach asked me if, if I wanted to help out in the meantime, and, and I did. I just kind of jumped in and fell in love with it almost instantly. I kind of I realized at that point that, that one, I'm not going to play professional basketball, so my career is coming to an end that way, and two, I really love this and maybe this is something I want to do. So I was very fortunate to have, you know, my high school coach at least give me that opportunity to start. And and from there, I I just kind of, I went to Cleveland state, which is, you know, the local university here, Uh, worked in the mills downtown to kind of pay my way through and, and coached. And I ended up coaching baseball for five years, coached golf for a year or two. Uh, But basketball was kind of my passion. And I was fortunate enough that in, uh, my fifth year of college, which is what it took me, the job opened up again uh, from here at my high school where I was already coaching and, uh, you know, got interviewed. And I think 60 or 70 people applied. And at that time, they just wanted somebody who was stable and who could build a program. And I was lucky enough that they took a chance at me at, at 23 years old and, um, you know, kind of went from there. So it's, it's kind of right time, right place, a little bit lucky. Uh, and to be able to follow my passion has been really uh, something very fortunate for me. And, and, you know, it's kind of happened along the way. And I'm sure something we'll talk about, but something I strongly believe in is, is our profession. And, and most are, it's all about relationships. And I just try to build those relationships and, and have fun with it the most, you know, the best I can. And uh, with that, I think people tend to ask you back to do things or they you know, and, and, you know, they, they get along with you and, you know, I really try not to have any conflicts with, with other coaches or people. Cause I respect what everybody else does and uh, just try to keep my head down and, and do what we do and, and kind of stay that route. Yes. And, and it's really a connection profession pretty much. Yes. I mean, the more you people you connect and I, um, this podcast has just been a, it's been a thrill for me because I, I get the chance to talk to guys like you. Uh, it's been great. Tell me about just add on to that because we have a weird profession. You were just you kind of made yourself into a coach. There wasn't any organized training right. for coaches. Do you think that's something that we we need in our country, or or we just continue to do what we've done? Um, we've been very fortunate to get guys like you in our profession, well, but do we need something else? To get first of all, coaches? I appreciate that, but I, it's it's. Um, it's a great question, and, and it is something that I think, and I'm sure you, you know this as well, you know, everybody's a little bit different. Everybody kind of learns differently. Everybody grows differently. Everybody has different personalities. 
Um, and USA basketball, obviously, you know, something that I've been involved with has been awesome in trying to, to bring this all together and, and teach coaches. But, you know, my, my thing is, you know, you know, watching videos or, or listening to people speak, it, it's helpful. It, it gives you more knowledge, you know, watching films, things like that. But there's nothing better than learning and, and getting experience by doing, you know, and it's I was fortunate during my tenure as an assistant coach you know, for five or six years to during that span, we actually had five different head coaches. Once, once my head coach had left in high school, they went through five different guys um, in our program. And that's, that's when, you know, when I got the opportunity to be the head coach, that's when, when they were really looking for some stability. But for me, it was one of those opportunities where I got to learn from a lot of different people in a short period of time. And I just kind of, I always had the mentality, like, listen, if, if, if I agreed with it and like what they did, you know, I, I try to write it down and remember and, and kind of, you know, emulate that. And if I didn't like it, um, I had the mentality that I still might need that someday, or I might not like it now, but I may like it down the road. So I would still write it down or at least think about it and try to think about why is this coach doing it this way, um, even if I didn't agree. So I was always trying to have an open mind about how to be a better coach. And uh, I, I do think that people need to hear like, like this podcast that you're doing is, is great for coaches because you can listen to just other people's experiences, what they went through. You know, they can realize that, hey, you know, his story may not be my story, but I can relate to it. And just because, you know, I didn't get a job, you know, this way. Um, I, I, I know that there are different paths to either getting jobs or being successful. And I think just listening to the right people and trying to, you know, create your own identity and create your own culture and that type of stuff is really important. And I think most coaches need to understand that, you know, once you identify what you're doing, just just believe in it and go with it. And I think one of the things we do as coaches quite a bit is we worry about what other people think. You know, what, what do our players think? What do our parents think? What does what do other coaches think about me and my style? Well, at some point you got to get over that and you got to do it the way you, you think and you know is right. And I always thought that's one of the best, best things that I learned from going to clinics and watching other coaches is I realized that, hey, you know what, I'm actually doing a good job or I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because this successful coach or this coach is, is doing exactly what I'm doing in practice or what I'm, you know, doing in the off season. So most of that stuff just kind of builds your confidence and, and it's that affirmation that you get that, Hey, you know what, you know, I'm doing it the right way. And, and I just got to keep going. Yes. And it's interesting talking to all these, these coaches that I talk to. Um, there's always, there's always something I can yep. pick up to add on, but like you're saying, you, you got to have your own beliefs, yeah, right? Yeah, I absolutely. mean, you can't just, I mean, it's, you just, I, yeah. I know you had, um, I think Coach Charmin White on recently, and and uh, I you know I know yes. him well, but but I listened to the podcast and he said a few things. One that I never knew about him, and two, he, you know he he always you know he's he's so knowledgeable and he's he's a great guy and he's a great coach. But even just listening to different things, you pick up things here and there uh, that just builds into your culture and what you want to do. And I and and that's kind of my point is yeah, you want to listen and learn from other coaches, and that's important but you have to make it your own. And if you want to be successful and do things and stay in this, hopefully a long time, you know, you want to do it your way. Cause if you're doing it some other way and things don't work out, you're going to have a hard time, you know, succeeding or at least continuing on in this profession. Yes. And there's great coaches 
don't you think, like right around the corner? Of course, he's only he's 90 minutes right. from me. But, man, there's great coaches. I always, I was told this a long time ago that there's great teachers and coaches right in your own school that we don't take advantage 100% of. 100% right. And I, I think, uh, I think <laughs> you know, great coaches make great teachers in the classroom. And there are teachers out there that would make great coaches um, but they just maybe never got in the profession or never wanted to explore it. But um, there are so many people that, you know, do things the right way and do it great. And um, and they're probably right in your own school or, or like you said, right in your own uh, area. But I think one of the things, too, that we find out um, a little bit in our profession, which is the one thing that, you know, I, some of us deal with at times is a little bit of jealousy and people that are close to you sometimes don't want to reach out or don't want to talk to you about the game because because of your success or because you're a, you know, a, a local coach and, and they want, you know, their own kind of fame or their own kind of uh, recognition. So uh, you kind of battle that. And it's kind of funny as I travel the country or I, you know, I'm at different places, uh, how much more coaches are willing to talk openly about what they do versus the people that are right there in your own you know, area or your, you know, your own districts or whatever. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I know there's great coaches all around us. And I, I, I definitely think it's a sense of humility, yep. right? Coach, you got to get out and kind of say, Hey, you know what? I don't know it all. I want to learn, Absolutely. but <laughs> what, what's Kevin Eastman's, you know, being a learn it all. I mean, I, I, I had Kevin on the podcast and I love that guy. Um, he says that it's so true. It though. Is. It is. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I still, you know, like I said, we're, we're, you know, I meet up with coaches that I've known for a while, but when we sit down and talk, it's, you have to be able to listen. You have to be able to, to understand where other people are coming from. And, and, and I think that that just helps you as a coach. And, you know, this past weekend I I was coaching in our, our state all-star game, the North South game. And I had coaches, you know, six or seven coaches that I really never met from across the state. And they're from, you know, a few of them were from small schools that, you know, are the smaller divisions and they only have X amount of players and we're kind of a bigger school. And just listening to them talk about how they handle their program or how they handle the kids and just the uniqueness of it. You know, I learned stuff from them, you know, things that, hey, you know, I never thought about doing it that way or this way. And uh, if you're not learning, I've been coaching for almost 30 years now. If, if you're still not learning, you know, you're not growing and you're not um, you know, helping yourself as well as your team. And I think that's something that you have to continue to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I love Ohio coaches. As a matter of fact, one of my good friends is uh, Randy oh, yeah. Montgomery. Legend. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, don't <laughs> I love Randy. He came out. Matter of fact, I have a, a legends clinic out here that I do with all high school coaches. He traveled with his family out here, oh, coach. And we, we, of course, we had a place out here for him. And that says a lot yep. about it. He didn't have yep. to come out. Um, of course, we had him. We had him stay on the lake out here, so it was pretty. Good. Uh, but well, you, you call it a legend clinic, so I think he had to show up. He's a, he's a legend, so he had to show up. <laughs> hey, thanks again for helping me with um, my uh, old my old coaching friend of mine, Andres Montana, and his son, Will Montana. Because you know, I, I just appreciate that feedback. Because he contacted me and says, hey, what do you think about Will? And I've known this kid since he was second grade. And you know, I haven't seen him play. And um, I appreciate the feedback because you did not have to do that. So I appreciate you taking the time out. And uh, let me ask you, let me, let me expound upon that. What do you look for in your – I know you work with uh, the under-17 USA, right? You're, you're, you go, 
what do you look for when you're evaluating talent? Well, it's it's um, it's it's tricky in in some regard because what we want to do when we're when we're working with the USA group is we're trying to put a team together. So it actually kind of makes it easier for us because we're not just looking at the 12 best players, you know, and obviously when you're looking at kids and looking at people play talent is first and foremost. And I, I share that with, with my kids here at the school, you know, all the time, like, Hey, we're not going to lie to you. Obviously if you're good, you got a great chance of making the team. So talent always comes first. But the reality is, is if you want to be a high level player, if you want to be a college player, if you think you're good and you think you're talented, the reality is, is there's a lot of kids out there like you. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of kids that are, you know, especially kids from 5'10 to 6'3. I mean, there's thousands of them. So what separates you from them? And the reality is, is what I look for is, you know, kind of the understanding of how does a kid play? And what I mean by that is, you know, how do you play off the ball? You know, how do you play when the ball's in your hand? And are you you just looking to score every time? Are you making teammates or, or players around you better? And it's a fine line. I mean, obviously, you want to show your ability and show your talent. But, you know, I tell my guys all the time, if a college coach walks into our gym and you play the way you're supposed to play, they will know that you're a Division One guy or a Division Two guy. They can tell. They don't need you to score 40 points. You know, they don't need you to, to, to be the man with the ball in his hands all the time. And I think one of the things that we look, look at at USA Basketball is that, is can you be a good teammate on the floor? You know, can you, you know, take, take an okay shot and make it a great shot by making that extra pass? You know, do you get your teammates involved by setting a screen away from the, uh, you know, away, away from the ball? You know, when the ball's in your hands, do you make good decisions? And then obviously defensively, can you defend the ball? You know, are you good on help side? Do you show a little bit of a knowledge of how to play the game? And that's so important. I think kids have lost a lot of that, you know, lately because of playing so much of, you know, just one-on-one -on -one stuff or trying to improve their game with their individual instructor or whatever it is, uh, that they're doing so much individual work that they're not spending enough time on how, how to learn how to play the game. And, and finally, which is probably the biggest separator, is just your, your attitude. You know, how, how are you not only on the floor, but off the floor? You know, do you, do you socialize with your teammates? Are you a leader? Are you somebody that, that, you know, doesn't get too, too down, you know, when things aren't going great or, or too high when things are going, are going well. So there's so many little things that we look for that in USA basketball that I look for with my own team that I think is just so important. And, and, you know, when you send me a film, it's great. And I think I shared this with you when you, when, you know, if I'm a college coach and I see a highlight film, you know, the first thing you, you that goes in your mind is, OK, this is a highlight film, which means this is the best this kid has to offer. So it's somewhat <laughs> a little bit shady, yes. you know, it's a little bit. But you can tell, you yeah. know, how does the shot look? How pure is it when he handles the ball? You know, how does he look handling the ball? Does he see the floor? Uh, you know, defensively, can he keep guys in front of him? You know, does he take a charge when he's supposed to? Is he, you know, rotating over to help? You know, all those things are really important. And then you look at the body himself, you know, how long is he, you know, athletically, can he get to the rim? So you do look at a lot of those things when you're evaluating a player. But the best thing to see, as any coach would tell you, is a game. You know, like, I want to see him when his coach pulls him out and he has to sit on the bench. You know, how's his attitude? You know, I want to see him when his teammates are successful. Is he supporting his teammates? You know, is he giving them high fives, that type of stuff? Or is he somebody that kind of sulks and always wants the ball? So there's so many little things I think to look for if you really want to be a high-level type player that you can't get away with if you want to really reach that, you know, if you think, you know, I have a kid right now that's on my team. He's a senior. He's graduating. 
and he is a, in my opinion, which he's a division two type basketball player. And he somewhat refuses to accept that. Like he, he thinks he's a division one guy. And I just have to continue to tell him like, listen, you know, we've sent out your film. We we've talked to coaches and they agree, you know, they think, you know, no D ones are talking to you right now. So you are who you are, you know, you, you can't, and, and be happy that you have a division two scholarship or division two opportunity. And I think that's where the frustration comes in sometimes for, for coaches is, you know, you do everything you can for, for people at times. And sometimes that's not enough. Yes. And, and I mean, you said some great feedback for me that really helped me out. And it sounds like I'm on the right track. Cause I have a player um, that she's, she's pretty, she's, she's pretty good, but she plays on a uh, Nike elite team, which I, I think they should eliminate the elite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's, that's another right. topic. Coach. Uh, but she was asking me, she said, coach, what, what can I do? Uh, Cause she's, she's basically coming off the bench for him and she, she's our best player and our best player in our league. Um, and I just told her, man, control the controllables, man, get in your stance, every possession, um, block out rebound, do those controllable things, sprint, baseline the baseline and then man, be enthusiastic treat, make your teammates better and and that's what she came, she came in today and she said we they just came back from virginia and she says coach i just played great defense i was right. so proud of her she didn't talk about she said coach man my defense was so solid <laughs> on that and that i don't think i don't know if every i don't know if we're all doing that enough i don't and i know she's playing with other kids that are trying right. to get theirs right and, and we're not and and, and we're not. I mean, it's, it's a great point. It's a great lesson. And I think that's what makes us happy as coaches when a kid comes back and actually listened to what you had to say and, and took it to heart and, and they were excited about it. I think that's so, that's so valuable and so important. And so many, you know, the, the easiest line to tell them is basically say, Hey, do whatever you're supposed to do to make your coach have to play you you know your coach has to play you if you're always talking if you're always excited if you play great defense if you don't turn the ball over you know whether you score 30 or not your coach has to play you know if he's a decent coach he's gonna play you if you are that energy person and that that person that's you know pushing your team and making your team better and you know that's what I always try to tell my guys you know hey if if you know I'm, I'm gonna play the best guys in the end no question but if you want to play and you walk off the floor you're sitting on the bench and you're moping or you're not talking or communicating, I guarantee you this, you'll never get in. But at least if you're loud, if you're engaged, if you're enthusiastic, if you're playing as hard as you can in practice, now you have the opportunity to play. And, and that's, when, that's when we have to make decisions as coaches. I, you know, I always tell my guys, make my job as hard as possible. Make it hard for me to sit you on the bench because some of you make it really easy because <laughs> you don't play hard or, or you're not energetic, you know? So, <laughs> right. so don't come to me. I've explained this to you. Don't come to me after the fact and to ask me why I'm not playing. Cause I've already told you, you know, what you need to do. So I think honesty from coaches is really important. You know, we need to be as honest as we can with our players. Um, yes. It's okay to be nice to them. It's okay to, to get along with them. I, I hear coaches say, well, I'm not their friend. And, and I understand that. And, you know, I'm not my, my players friends, but, but, you know, we'll have fun, you know, we'll, we'll do things and, and they'll come in my office and feel comfortable, but, but I'm going to, I'm a straight shooter and I'm going to tell you, you know, like you, you were, you were bad today or, you know, your attitude isn't very good, or this is why you're not playing. I think so many of us try to sugarcoat it a little bit and try to, you know, make sure that we're not hurting anybody's feelings yet in the end, you just kind of confuse the kids 
um, and you make more people upset because you're leading them, you know, down the wrong path. And, and I think honesty is just kind of the best policy. Yeah, you got to give yep. them the truth, right? I mean, and that's that's tough. And I think particularly in the the AAU level, sometimes it's tough because they don't want to lose the kids. Yeah, and but, that's the problem. I think that's um, what we're – yeah, we're dealing too. with that, especially in high school, but but it's the same. You know, all of a sudden we're sending our pretty good players to other people, and, and one, they're getting different views, but two, sometimes they're playing with somebody that just wants to keep them on their team, so they're going to tell them all the time that, hey, you're, you're really good, or you should be doing this, or you should be doing that, and we as you know, high school coaches or whatever, you have to stick to your guns and just make sure that, you know, listen, everybody around you, you know, the kid, is going to tell you how wonderful you are. <laughs> you know, it's my job as a coach to tell you the truth. And it's my job to, to make you a better player and to make you a better, you know, person. So that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be the person that's always going to be patting you on the back, although I will, you know, when you do well. So um, it is hard because all of a sudden, you, you know, I, I know once our season ended, I've got – you know, all of my varsity players are now playing for somebody else. And I'm sure they're telling them maybe something a little bit different than I did. So we just have to keep in their ear and keep believing what, what we know about them and keep teaching. Yeah. And, th- and there's one piece of advice that I got from all these great coaches and, and including yourself today is that that's the same. That's that one piece of advice. <laughs> I mean, that should be the one piece of advice every coach should get yeah. just be honest with your players uh which i think is it's a little more complex than that but that to me that's really important um coach tell me about i think every great program has like core principles and values yep. don't you think um what are yours and how do you teach it well it's it's um when I first started coaching and obviously that I take it from the coaches that I learned from. So when I first started coaching, we had like a set of rules um, that the coach would hand out to the players at the beginning of the season. And, and when I, my first few years as a head coach here, I did the same thing. We, we had our team meeting and, you know, I would hand them the piece of paper with 25 rules on them. And, and some of those were, you know, the common things like be on time, you know, if you miss practice, you're going to sit out a game or, you know, um, proper dress, tuck your shirt in when, you know, it just went down the line of all these things. And then once I got involved with USA basketball and obviously, you know, working with Don Showalter and many great coaches from around the country, he introduced me to standards and he introduced me to the, the USA basketball standards and, and, and then I implemented those into our program. And, and what the difference really is, is standards versus rules. And I'm sure you know this and, and other coaches out there, it's becoming more and more commonplace. But what we do is we just kind of share our standards for our program. What are our expectations for each other? You know, what, and I allow the players to, to help make these standards, you know, and being on time is a standard, you know, being, um, you know, playing hard is a standard. Um, you know, being a good teammate is a standard, being enthusiastic is a standard. And what I have found is what we don't, we don't necessarily have rules anymore, which is great because, you know, I, I'm in a program where I, I do have kids or in our school where certain kids could walk to school, certain kids could ride a bike to school, certain kids get, get a ride, certain kids take a bus. Um, you know, we have a, a broad, some kids get here in their parents' Cadillac. <laughs> some kids have a car that can barely make it, you know, <laughs> so we have a very diverse, you know, group of people here. And I've always kind of questioned myself if I'm making a kid who has to take two or three buses to get here 
and he misses a bus or the bus was late, how am I punishing him the same as a kid that can walk to school? You know, so so when you have rules, you have to be very definitive in how you follow up with those rules because there's usually consequences for those rules. When you have standards, it's great because a kid walks in late for practice and you can just kind of look at him or not say anything. And, and after practice, you kind of talk about like, hey, what's one of our standards? And it's like, hey, be on time. And you and you can pull the kid aside and say, hey, why were you not on time today? And you know, coach, my, you know, I texted you. You didn't get it because you're in practice, but our car broke down, whatever. You know, OK, you handle that and you, you take care of it. And uh, eventually that the players start taking care of the standards themselves. Like if somebody's, you know, comes in late again, the players kind of get on them. And if you're one of those coaches that, you know, believes in, in punishment or doing whatever, you know, you can do that your own way, you know, at your own time. Um, but I'm one of those guys, like unless it's habitual or unless it's um, done on purpose, you know, we just kind of talk it out and, and it never happens again. And I found that it's become easier as a coach to uphold, you know, what you believe in as a coach, whatever your standards are, you know, and 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 we we are really kind of like a I really believe in the communication, the team led type of team. So I always want my guys to take control over whatever they want their team to be during the year. And I will obviously put in my influence where I think it's needed. And when it's not being stepped up or they're not living up to it, I will then kind of take over uh, during meetings or, or practice or whatever. But I really want the kids to kind of buy into what they want their team to become. And I just think, you know, great communication between coach and player leads to great communication between player and player. I think uh, a great team led um, uh, when you have a team that's that's led by the players, uh, it goes so far. And I think coaches have to understand it doesn't always work out. You know, it doesn't always work that way. Uh, and you should step in when when needed. But uh, that's kind of my philosophy as a coach is just to kind of keep keep things player centered as much as possible. Um, you know, do everything with integrity, is, you know, which means just simply do it the way you think is the right thing to do. Um, and I think if you live by that, you're going to be pretty successful, not just in basketball, but, but in life. Yeah, I love that. I know that's great advice. And I, I was talking to, uh, Don Showalter. I can't believe I'm talking <laughs> to all these great coaches, Don Showalter, Eric Flannery, Charlotte yeah, White. Man, this is unbelievable. That list. <laughs> um, oh man, I'm adding your name so. coach. Um, well, what I'm finding out in my old age is when I step back, the kids step forward and, and it just seems like I'm more and more and I coach girls and it, it I, I think on the girls side it's even more vital because I don't think we allow girls to take those leadership roles as much as we do guys I know it's kind of a no, sad thing that's a great point um, Kevin I have two daughters and and I coached I was fortunate enough to coach my own sons through St. Ed's here um, and they're both graduated they're both playing uh, in college but I have two daughters, one's a junior, one's going to be a freshman, and, and they're pretty good players, and, and they play for their team. But, but I agree with you. I think uh, when I watch, you know, especially the girls' side, it is a little bit different. It's a little different coaching, and, and not, not from an X and O standpoint. I just think from an athletic expectation standpoint. I think it's, it's just common that the girls don't play as fast or are as athletic, but they're just as skilled. <laughs> they work just as hard. I found my daughters have worked just as hard as my son's. But to your point, I think when you watch them play or you see coaches, they don't allow them to coach themselves as much. And I think that is something that um, it's too bad. And it's something that I it, you would love to see. I'm sure you would on the girls side when I watch girls basketball. It's one of those 
girls need to really start taking ownership because, man, there's some really good players out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, and it's so hard for us, us male coaches sometimes as well. We, you know, but I think we have to allow, I mean, I, I really allow my players to make decisions, not only as off the court, but on the court. And, um, it's really helped our culture yeah. out. And I, I'm, you know, so, but, um, tell me about, tell me about the outstanding videos you produce coach. I had a great opportunity. I was, I was checking out all your videos last <laughs> night, man. I love them. Um, you know, now do I get a commission for <laughs> yeah. that or, or how does that work? If you could sell one or two, I don't um, know if they're outstanding, but they're fun to do. <laughs> they're good. And I love, I, I tell you what I got the ball screen offense. And you mentioned that, you run that against man and zone, and I run a five-out offense. Uh, I don't have any post players. All my, my players are kind of versatile-type players. And you mentioned, too, in your ball screen against zone. Tell me how you run that against zone, and, or just tell about the whole, the whole offense. Well, really, again, it's you know credit to, to USA Basketball, Don Shaw Walter. The, the ball screen offense is pretty much came from the European style of play, and, and – and every time that we would, you know, see European type teams play and why they're so good at, at setting ball screens, reading ball screens and all of that stuff is, is I think two reasons. One, one, they develop their players fundamentally probably better than we do. Um, and they run a lot of ball screen stuff. And two, they have a shot clock, which is a whole nother topic. And, and, and I think it creates better players in those types of situations. So, um, that's where the ball screen offense, that's where I learned it from. And the ball screen offense, it is a pretty simple motion type offense. And, and I like it because it does have continuity to it. So it's something that you can continue to run from one side to the other. Uh, but what I like about it, too, is that you can have bigs and you can use it as a screen and roll type thing. Uh, but you can also use it with five guards because you can screen and pop. You can screen and roll, you know, teams doing different things on you defensively. Uh, it gives you multiple looks. And I, I just like uh, the fact that it has a good continuity to it. Um, it. It allows your kids to play with a little bit of freedom uh, and, and creating that ball screen type of offense where I think kids really enjoy um, being able to, to set a ball screen and maybe get a shot and yet come off a ball screen and be able to score. And really the only difference between a man and a zone where, where we use it and, and uh, is – you know, a zone, you can't probably run it as much of a continuity as you can as a man. You try to work it to where you overload a side and hopefully you get a, you know, you screen the zone, you get an opportunity to attack the zone. And then all of a sudden you have maybe a two on one situation on the weak side or a three on two situation on the weak side. And therefore, if you have good shooters, you're going to have an open look. And I just I just enjoy learning those different things and finding out different ways to implement them into my system or to your system. So I've taken that ball screen offense and we've done different sets out of it, different looks out of it. So we still run it, um, but we don't run it all the time. You know, we'll run a 41 motion. We'll run a 50 motion. Uh, we'll do a lot of different things. But I think it's something that if you just look at and, and you enjoy maybe something a little bit different or a different look for your kids, um, it really worked. I, I know, you know, when I coached my daughters in AAU when they were younger, we actually put it in in their fifth grade team. And, you know, imagine imagine cool. fifth grade girls trying to defend a ball screen on the wing. You know, it's hard. So so we were getting, <laughs> exactly. you know, we were scoring, you know, pretty well with that. So it's, I think it's a simple offense to kind of implement. 
which is good for everybody. Uh, but it also, once you break it down and start teaching it with all the little in- intricacies you can have coming off a ball screen and, and those types of things, I think it can become something that can really teach your players how to play. Yeah, I love it. We're really going to add that phase in. Thank. I mean, I, I, I should I should name it um, the Flannery <laughs> set. Uh, but we're going to add that into our five out. And But one thing I find difficult with our girls is, it sounds good, ball screen, but a lot of times you got to really coach your kids up. How do you come off yep. screens? How do you set the pick, the patience? There's a lot of work in and there, that's right? why I love it. I mean, because I, I think that, that gives you something more to do as a coach to try to teach your kids how to play. And, and, and really, that's, you know, we do a lot of, you know, I think a lot of coaches, it's easy just to throw out a motion offense. But, if again, if you're a good teacher or if you're a good coach and you're doing it the right way, you're not just teaching kids to, hey, you know, if you have the ball, do this. And if you don't have the ball, do that. You're teaching them so much more and how to create off the dribble. Well, now you have to do the exact same thing with with the ball screen. You know, how do you how do you come off of it? You know, you know, what angle do you come if, if the defense is playing you this way? How do you attack it? Uh, how do you set the screen? How do you roll off the screen? How do you pop off the screen? To me, that just gets my juices flowing, and that's what's exciting about it is, hey, now I can look at my practice plan and look at I could probably spend, you know, 15 minutes, a half hour, 45 minutes just on breaking down girls coming off a ball screen. And if they can continue to get better and better at this, one, they're going to be better individual players, but two, we're going to become a better team because of it. And uh, I just think it, it, you know, it's one of those things that I went away, I, I you know, with USA basketball one summer and this is the offense we were running. It was something brand new. And man, I came back to my own school. I was fired up, ready to show them this new offense and, and teach all the little things about it. And I think that energizes the kids too. When they know you're excited about it, I think they get excited about it. And and I think that's why we need to continue to, to keep going to clinics and watching other coaches and pick up what they're doing. Because if you find something new and you get excited about it, you bring that back to your kids and your players, and I think they get excited. Yeah, and I that, again, that's another that, that's probably worthy of the Jersey podcast <laughs> number. Um, you got to add to it. I love uh, your podcast, by the way. I was going to, um, but that's like, are are we doing enough as coaches? I know when I run my clinic out here, man, it's a it's trying to get coaches out here is tough, and I have some of the best high school coaches in Georgia coming out. Um, of course, and Ohio, Randy yeah. Montgomery, Steve Collins from Wisconsin sure. comes out. Um, and, man, you would think this gym would be packed. And I have a college team in here, you know, as our demonstration team. So is there a problem? Are we not as coaches? Are we just kind of just – are we not learning enough? Are we not growing as coaches? What do you see well, out there? it's hard to say. I think the biggest thing – and I, I – Here's the common sense answer. If, if, if we're keeping all things equal and assuming that coaches are still working, uh, to your point of watching my videos, it's very easy nowadays to get access to a lot of different things just sitting at, at your desk. You know, if I'm sitting in my office, I can YouTube, you know, ball screen drills. I can YouTube shooting drills, you know. So I don't want to say coaches are, are lazy sometimes, but when we have it all right here at our fingertips quite a bit, it's hard to argue with coaches like, Hey, you don't work hard because you don't show up at a clinic. Well, you know, they might be, you know, they might be watching some film, you know, they might be watching a ton of tape. You know, I probably watch more than I ever did when I was younger, but when I was younger, I would try to go to clinics, you know, and that was, (laughs) you know, you sit in a gym for 
eight hours listening to diff- different coaches. And that, that's, that was awesome to me. But when I can do the same thing sitting at my couch at home, you know, it's, it's hard to argue that, that people aren't, aren't going out. But uh, I think the biggest difference right now, too, and, and I'm seeing this in our culture quite a bit, maybe with my own sons, with some of my young coaches who are on my staff now, who most of them are former players. I think this entitlement um, and, and wanting to be successful right away um, has hurt a lot of our profession too. Like I think guys, they, they might've seen like, Hey, coach Flan, you, you were a head coach at 23. So I should be, or, you know, you, you guys are very successful. So, you know, we should be right now. Um, it, it's, it's not that easy. And it's, it's, you know, something that I put a lot of time into when I was younger, uh, I worked at it. Um, I, I never, and I still do to this day, but they might see that it's easy for me now. So it should be easy for them. And I think too many coaches see that. And I think that's exploited a lot with social media because you see all of the great things that are going on. Cause nobody posts, <laughs> nobody posts the bad stuff on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever. They, they only post the good stuff. Right. So if I'm a young coach, all I see is the successes of other people. And I think that's the way it should be, or that's what I should be doing. You know, they have to understand that they're going through a lot of struggle and there's going to be a lot of struggle, uh, you know, in our coaching profession. And I think that's kind of a problem that I've seen lately with, with coaches is, and they might see some adversity and then they stop coaching. Cause like, Hey, I can't handle it. Or I can't handle, you know, the parents or I can't handle, you know, the kids today. It's well, you know, that's, that's your job. You know, that's what we have to do. So I, I just wish more coaches would be a little bit more, um, you know, productive that way where, Hey, I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to be a grinder. I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And I'm just going to keep trying to get better. And, and to your point, I think you made earlier, we have to control the controllables. You know, just kind of live in the day that you're in right now and, and do the best that you can. And I don't see that enough from from coaches, you know, even being with USA Basketball, I was very fortunate, lucky to get involved with it. But now that I'm with it, I, I, I do my best every time I'm out there. I, I work hard with them. That's, I think, why they asked me back. But I'll have coaches from all over the country. Hey, get me in there. Hey, can I get there? Hey, you know, it's like, well you know, what are you doing to get there? You know, <laughs> just work on, you know, I understand it's about connections and, and you want, you, you want to get out there, but you, you really got to put some passion and some pride into it and, and um, you know, show us that you're a good coach, you know, show us that you're willing, you know, do you want to come out and volunteer your time and, and, and do the, you know, towels and just be, you know, kind of a court coach for a little bit here or, or, you know, and some coaches, eh, nah, I'm not sure I want to do that, you know, so you, you got to be able to put in the time to be able to be successful in this business. Yeah. And, and just by just getting on the phone, you mentioned about, you know, how to deal with certain situations. I don't think we do enough of calling other coaches up and say, coach, man, how do you deal with parents? Yeah, it's really, it's, you know, that's a great um, point. I talk about this on, on my podcast that I had too. And it's, it's really unfortunate. I, I, I think when you travel, sometimes I think I mentioned this at the beginning, you, you see, you know, you get people that ask you questions all the time. You know, they may say, Hey, I did see your championship production video, or I did hear your podcast. And so they, they look at you differently, but, but the coaches around this area, it's like, they're almost afraid to call you or reach out. But I think because of the podcast that I have, and because of probably you'll see it with your podcast, and I'm sure you have, is now I'm actually starting to get coaches in my area reach out and they're like, Hey, I listened to your podcast. Do you mind if I come you know, so I've actually in the last three or four years, I've sat down with more coaches in my area than I have in the previous 20 years. 
because I think some coaches are finally just feeling a little bit more comfortable to, to reach out and say, you know, Hey, what do you do with this situation or that situation? I think that's great. I love it. And that's why like when you emailed me to, to, to come on the podcast, as long as I know I can make the time, I love sharing information as much as possible because that's how our game grows. Just continue to share our stories and answer questions and ask questions. And um, that's, that's how we make each other better. Yeah, it's all about sharing the game. And I know, I know already I already have some great notes um, for what you're offering. And, and I got to tell you, we, we out here, um, I have a, a great coach out here, Dean Durden, who he's probably a mentor of so many people. Matter of fact, we're having a coach's roundtable May 8th. Uh, they invited me out and I said, I can't believe I'm invited to go to all these <laughs> legends, man. I can't believe that. Um and it's just so cool that coaches are getting together. I think it's happening more and more. But um, is that happening in Ohio there? Or, or like you said, are, are more coaches gathering together and just, just talking the I game? I think so. And- I hope so. I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I think with me personally, because of social media or because of the podcast, I think people are willing to, to reach out to me more, which is great. And I think because I've been here a long time now and um, people know me. And so, so they're, they're a little bit more comfortable reaching out where um, back to our other point, I think part of the, you know, a big part of our culture is changing the wrong way because they're, you know, watching videos rather than going to clinics or they're, you know, doing all of this stuff rather than getting together. Um, but anytime we get together, I think it's great conversation. Uh, we, we just, back to the Ohio all-star game that I, I coached this past weekend, these coaches that we were with, we, we just started talking hoops and started talking about different things. And it, it, the conversation could have went all night, but, but if we had never gotten together or thought about it, we probably would have never talked about this stuff or talked about, you know, got to know each other uh, a little bit and you just keep building those relationships. And I, I just think, you know, they even talked about it going back to our own, uh, you know, in the state of Ohio here, when you get to the tournament, you know, every tournament in Ohio, you, you, we used to like go to our district with all the coaches. We used to vote on, you know, seedings and everybody would place each other on the brackets and it would be kind of like a fun get together. Now everything's done online. So we don't even get together for stuff like that. Uh, And social, you know, technology, internet, all that stuff has made things so convenient and easy that we don't spend enough time together you know, conversing and just getting to know each other. And I think that makes it a little bit more difficult um, to become a better coach because you're not sharing people's stories and sharing your story with other people. That's why I love doing something like this, because at least at least I can share my thoughts and stories and people may like it. They may not. And that's okay. But at least we're given the opportunity to share. Yeah. 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 Well, coach, I like it. So appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. Um, it's funny how you, what you're saying, it's almost like the more we try to connect, we actually disconnect. A lot of truth to that. I mean, just to like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You mentioned a great point with clinics. It's not necessarily what you get on the on court. It's where you yep. meet people. How many coaches have you met at clinics? I know I've met quite a few that were from different states. And uh, just to, to build connections there, I think that's, just as important or more important than anything else. Right. I mean, I've, you know, I've spoken at a couple clinics and the guys that come up to me after the clinic and just talk, or the guys that have sent me an email after 
I've built relationships with those guys. And it's funny. It's like, it, and these might be to your point, you know, I, you know, I'm a high school, you know, varsity boys coach, but I'll have, you know, girls, fifth grade coaches or, you know, junior high coaches come up to me and I'll keep in contact with them just as much as anybody else. And you'll have these other, you know, boys, high school coaches in the area that won't say a word to you or won't talk to you about certain things. It's just kind of funny. It's like you just need to reach out some point and try to start a conversation. All of us are in the same business. You know, I am, you know, so aware how fortunate I am to be where I'm at and to have success. I don't look differently upon other coaches or think I'm better than other coaches just because I have different opportunities. I actually respect a lot of the coaches in this area, especially people that coach at the lower levels and, and do it for, for, for the love of it and do it for, I mean, those are the people that I love talking to. Those are the people that I really respect in, in our business. And, and I just think people need to understand that and just reach out more to each other, uh, you know, to get, get ideas, become a better coach, whatever it is you want to do, or just go have a beer with, you know, go, go out and, you know, talk and build a good relationship. Yeah, it's so true. Coach, and, and I, I'm going to go back to my, my annual show. So I'm going to talk about one of your videos again, um, and that's the, the 221 Press. I'm, I'm sorry, your um, Read Press. We run the 221. Tell me about your Read Press. We're a pressing team. Tell me what I can do better. Where we, we, I run one press, Coach. I'm not a multiple press guy. I don't, I, I'm really simple. But what can I do with a two-two-one press to apply like your pressing principles? Well, first of all, simple is good. So don't ever think complicating things is going to make you better. <laughs> I think the one point I try to make to coaches is, uh, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us coach for ourselves. So sometimes we want to make ourselves look good or want to make ourselves look smart. When in reality, you know, the 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 kiss method is is probably the best way to go. Is just keep keep it simple and. Um, so that's good. I'm glad you do that. And, and I go back to the read, read press a little bit. Once again, something I learned through USA basketball, uh, through not only coach Showalter, but some other variations that other coaches had, I just took some of the presses that, that these guys used and tried to use it for my own team. Um, I don't use it every year. As a matter of fact, we didn't use it at all this past season. Um, but three years ago, we used it almost every possession. So I try to change up every year as to how we play. Um, the read press is just a, it's a different look from the two, two, one where it almost looks like a diamond. So every single, every single time you score or use it, you go into a diamond look and out of that diamond look, you can do, you know, one of two, one of three things. You can stay in the diamond and, and trap out of that. You can fall back. So just drop that back, that, that top guy who's on the ball, just drop him back into a two, two, one, or you can match up and go man to man. And then, out of the read, why it's called a read press is we trap differently based on how, uh, how the opponent enters the ball. So if they throw it below the free throw line, uh, we may tell the guy, go ahead and trap. And uh, the weak side guard, you're going to go take away the inbounder. And on the next possession, and, and I think one of the big rules with the press is don't ever do the same thing two times in a row. So if he took away the inbounder and they threw it in the corner the first time, the next time, take away the middle, you know, and then if they do it again, you can either go back to the inbounder or go to the sideline. So what it does is it just confuses the offense and it may not work. You might you, you have to be willing to give up some open shots on the other end. You have to be willing to maybe give up a layup or two here or there. But I think just confusing the other the, the opponent 
uh, keeping them off their toes. If, if playing fast is something that you like to do, uh, it's a great press to use because it can really um, throw your opponent off. I've had coaches when we have used it in the past, come up to me afterwards and just be like, you know, we've watched you on film. We saw it here in person. We still don't know what the heck you do. And it, it, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so, so it's a great press. It's just a variation of, of either. It's a variation of the diamond and the two, two, one kind of put together. Yeah. And I, I love that. It's just showing the different looks. Um, I, I think we're actually our young program here. We're ready to move up to the next level. And well, I don't want to get, I don't want to, I don't want to give, give us too much. I don't want us to yeah. think on the court, but I do love it. Keep it the same, but show yeah. them different looks basically what you're saying and you have just i love i love i love the 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 rules on the read press and uh how you're trapping uh based on positioning of the ball is yeah, that pretty much it exactly, or based on exactly personnel? not personnel because person i mean personnel can be like we played a team once where their their inbounder was their best ball handler so every single time they threw it in we would go deny the inbounders you know so right. little things like that but gotcha. yeah. you know whether they cross their and just like anything else once you know, the first few times it, it is a little bit hard to pick up because kids are so used to going to the exact same spot or doing the same thing. But I think once you allow them that freedom and once you kind of teach them, you know, how to do this and then, and then again, how exciting it is uh, that you're going to be able to get a bunch of steals if we do this right. And, you know, you're going to score easy baskets and you start selling it as a coach. They really start buying in and the more and more, like anything else, the more and more they do it, the better they get at it. Uh, and it just kind of becomes second nature to them. Well, what have you found in the past? I know with um, I've always been a pressing coach. It is harder and harder as you get towards that state tournament to be a really good pressing coach, particularly I don't have tremendous talent. We try to do it on effort. Uh, is it harder for you to continue to – or do you just – press less or what do you, how do you, how do you use that? Well, it's a great question. I think it's something that you have to really go with your personnel. And and, and like I said earlier, we, we don't play necessarily the same way every year. I always, I always look at my personnel that we have coming in um, and and whatever, you know, we, we have three starters coming back next year, um, but it's a different team. You know, people say, Oh, you got most of your guys back. Yeah, we have, you know, three guys back, but we're replacing two. And those those might be two really important guys. So we might have to play more more half court. We might, you know, maybe have to play or, or throw in our matchup zone a little bit more. Um, so I'm not just a pressing guy. I'm, I'm, I'm one that likes to likes to press in situations. Um, we'll press if we need to pick up the tempo. Um, like I said, three years ago, that's all we did was press. But but that was unique to what we typically do. And I think it's personnel. So. We don't play in a league, so we're a little bit different up here in Ohio. We're, we're in a big school, but we're an independent school, so we can kind of play whomever we want during the season. Uh, my goal is never – we don't have a league championship that we have to try to win, so I don't necessarily win about – you know, worry about wins and losses during the season. I simply try to make my team peak at the end of the season, get ready for the tournament. So part of that, to your point, is we, we may not show some of our pressures during the season that we'll add and put in late. And I think one thing that we've gotten good at that's shown some success is we've really started to go and, and put in some different pressures that way. So we'll trap differently, whether it's three quarter or half court versus always being full. So I'm just one of those that like to try to figure out what is best for us, what's best for our team, look at our opponent uh, and see what will work best against them. And, and I think, 
you know, we've had some pretty good runs here in our state tournament because of that, because I think we've switched some things up and teams weren't necessarily ready for it. And, and our kids were able to adjust and get that done. Yeah, that's just solid coaching on it. You got to adjust because sometimes we can start out with a certain yeah. plan, right? Coach? <laughs> and then the mid-season, I know last year I changed, I changed for uh, a couple of things that, I, you know, this wasn't working. I, and don't you think as coaches, we have to look at that. Sometimes we just got to bag Absolutely. it, right? I, I, there's two different, again, people, you know, hey, you're at St. Edge, you get some good players, um, you can do whatever you want. And, and there is some truth to that. Um, but, but it's different year in and year out. So if I just had the same system over and over again, it'd be unfair to my kids. There, there are some good public schools around here that run a system from their grade schools all the way up to their high schools, and that's how they teach it. And I understand that. I think that's really good. Um, but I'm, I'm just a big believer in it's my job as a coach to put my team and my players in the best position for them to be successful. Right. So if they're not a great pressing team, I, I'm not a good coach if we're pressing, you know, if they're they're not great, very athletic and we, we play 100 percent man to man and we're getting beat. But, hey, I'm a man to man coach, but we're 0 and 18. I think that's bad coaching. You know, you have to be able to adjust to your to your players, at least, and put them in the best position to win. Doesn't mean you're going to win. I mean, there's obviously teams out there that are more talented than you, but it's our job as coaches to to put them in that best position that they have a chance to at least win. I love that because sometimes I've seen coaches, they could probably lose by 15, whereas they, they were stubborn and they lost by 30, Correct. 35. Yeah. So I see that. I see that That's a lot. I agree. Coach. Um, <laughs> my last question, because I know you're busy. Tell me about your podcast. I really like it. And I tell you what I love about it. Uh, and, and, I, I sense that you, you're transparent. It's like an open book. You basically are telling the audience about your program, which I love, man. I mean, because I, I pick up, you know, two or three things in your last podcast. Why do you think this can help coaches by being so honest about your program? Well, first of all, thank you. I mean, it's uh, it's something that uh, Tim Smith, who's the, the co-host with it, uh, he's actually my nephew who played for me back when I first started coaching. So he was one of my first guys. Um, uh, one of my first teams I ever coached and I actually cut him twice. Um, and, and even when he was a junior, I put him on the JV team. So, and then when he was a senior, he became like our sixth man on the state championship team. So his story is pretty incredible just from that standpoint. Yeah, that's a great and the story. fact that I was his uncle <laughs> and I cut him and did that stuff. It, it's, it's, it's one of those relationships that we've been through a lot together kind of thing. And now that we're, you know, 20 years later, he, he approached me a few years back and just said, Hey, this, I did, I didn't know what the heck a podcast was. I don't, I still to this day have no idea how to run any of it. He, he does all that stuff. I just show up in the office. He, he sets it up and, and, and we talk and that's, that's really what it started as is let's, let's talk about sports. Let's talk about coaching. That, that was my thing. I said, I'll do it if I can talk about, coaching you know let, you know share some thoughts and he said hey that'd be great uh we started you know we probably earlier in the days that we did it we talked a little bit more Cleveland sports like the Cavs and the Browns and the Indians and what what I really just wanted to kind of do is start focusing it more and more on just basketball and coaching um and I just feel like it's one of those things where if I'm going to do this um, it, it's great for me because it's kind of one of those releases that we need as coaches. Like, I feel like I get stuff off my chest. Uh, I feel like I have a, an open dialogue with, with Tim who, who 
to this day, he still helps me out as one of our assistant coaches. Um, so just to have that open conversation and, and to share, I mean, that, that's, I've always been a big believer that uh, sharing information and sharing this stuff is what it's all about. And I, this has given me an opportunity to, to share with more people uh, with, I, I'm, I'm always shocked uh, because I don't think anybody listens but I'm always shocked when I hear, you know, somebody comes to our game, you know, whether it's a St. Ed's person, they're like, hey, I listen to your podcast all the time. Or I had a college coach a year or two ago call me and say, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. You know, can I be on it or or or, uh, you know, can you can you talk about this on your podcast? I mean, that stuff to me is cool. I mean, it's it's fun and it's um, we don't do it that often anymore. It's just because of time and getting together. Uh, we don't you know, we did it old school, you know, we have no sponsors, we don't do anything, we, we haven't made a penny f off of it for how many years we've been doing it, but we have fun doing it. And and that's all it is. It's it's something that uh, we get on, we start talking. Um, we have never had a plan, not once uh, before a podcast. We literally every time sit down and say, all right, what are we going to talk about today? And we just, it just kind of flows and, and we go. So uh, I've had a lot of fun with it. I, you know, it's allowed me to to reach out to other coaches. And uh, like I said earlier in, in this podcast, I think it's allowed other coaches to feel more comfortable reaching out to me, which I think is, is really invaluable. Yes. And this was, I, I tell you one great thing about uh, my podcast here is that I've had so many coaches contact the people like you that I'm interviewing um, and I think yes. that's great, man. That, that just opens the door. So you're probably going to get some more calls. You're probably going to sell more videos <laughs> there. So. If I do, I, I'll put you uh, on a bonus. Uh, <laughs> I'll send you the bonus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I really appreciate it. I, um, I actually have a meeting with one of my players and, and um, coming up in about 10 minutes. But I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate it so much. Uh, tell me. Give, give us one last thing from your experience that a coach can take with them. And you mentioned earlier about honesty. What is something else that we can take with us to kind of help our, help our programs? Man, that's a loaded glass question. Uh, <laughs> that is, uh, uh, you know, the honesty thing is, is obviously really important. Uh, but man, there's so many things that cross my mind when you ask me that question, but I, I just think, um, and I know I've already mentioned this here in this podcast, but be yourself. I mean, be who you are and, and try to develop. I mentioned earlier that there was a point in my career where, and this was about three or four years into when I was a head coach, I had so many people in my ear telling me, you know, I'm doing this wrong. Uh, you should be doing this. You know, you're not a yeller and screamer. You got to start yelling and being more demonstrative and, you know, doing this. And at, at one point, I literally just said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done listening to people. I'm done listening to at least the people that, that don't matter. I want to listen to the people that matter and, and I'm going to do things my way. And if I get fired for doing it, at least I'm going to go down the way, um, you know, doing it the way I wanted to. And once I made that change, I mean, I've loved coaching ever since, and I've, you know, been doing it and following it the way I feel like is, is good for me. Um, I have my own personality. I coach with that personality. I don't change it. Uh, I don't try to be anybody else. Uh, I learn from other people, but I don't try to be them. And I think that's just something that's really important that coaches, I think, need to hear. That you, don't, you don't need to be me or, or, or whoever you're looking up to or, or you're watching. You, you be you, but you can continue to learn some of that stuff and, and just be a good coach. And the players know, right? They know no when question. you're genuine. Yep. 
<laughs> I mean, that's the, my little my little first graders know if yeah. I'm faking it. So I mean, they can read you pretty well. How can how can uh, how can we get a hold of you? I have all your information um, on the podcast here, but uh, what? How can they get yeah, a hold of you? I'm not a huge technology guy, but I am on Twitter at Coach Flan, um, and, and I do kind of. That's the only social media I check and and look at, and I don't follow too many people just because I don't like to look at all the the, the BS that's out there. So I just kind of, um, you know, I tweet out things here and there and, and kind of update people on our team and what we're doing. Um, they can email me anytime and it's at E Flannery, F L A N N E R Y at S E H S dot net. Uh, I, I try to respond to those right away, whether it's just a basketball question or something like that. I do my best to, if, if I start falling behind then then it's, you know, it takes me a month or two to catch up. So, I try to get back to those right away, and um, they can always just reach me here at the school at St. Ed's. I think we're on SEHS.net is our website. So feel free to reach out anytime. I'd love to hear from anybody out there. Yes, and, and you, you're you doing uh, – you're part of the USA uh, Coaching Academies, right? You do, you do some Yeah, clinics. I've been actually involved with USA Basketball since 2001 as a committee member and as a coach, a court coach, all that stuff. So this year – um, Charmin White, myself, and Mike Jones from DeMath are going to be coaching the U16, U17 team for the next two years. Um, so we'll be we'll be doing that. So I'll have a lot of involvement with the with the USA team. I have spoken at a few of their their coaching clinics, a couple of the Nike clinics, and uh, I'm sure I'll be out there somewhere in the in the next couple of years uh, if they'll have me back. So we'll see. <laughs> That's great, Coach. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're. I know you're a busy guy, and I sure appreciate I know I've gained a lot of knowledge, and I appreciate you sharing your wisdom, man. Well, thank I appreciate you so much. you having me, Kevin. And it's guys like you that continue to grow our game. So thank you for, for doing what you do. You do a great job. Thanks, Coach. Take care Thanks now. Thank you. Coaches, how are you? Hey, make sure to check out my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. They were a main sponsor of my Legends Clinic last year. And I got to see in person why the Dr. Dish is undoubtedly the best shooting machine on the market. I'm super excited to get one in my program here soon. As a matter of fact, it's already in the process of being ordered. The technology and versatility of the machine are unmatched. Make sure to check out their product lineup and their new Dr. Dish CT machine on their website at drdishbasketball.com. And follow them on Twitter and Instagram at drdishbball. Mention this podcast and you can save $300 extra on your next Dr. Dick, Dr. Dish purchase. Get one soon. This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, everyone. This is Joe's Decision from Unleashed Potential, and you are now listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado.